This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. What a turbulent week for Buckeye fans. What started with Michigan winning a national championship ended with a lot of hope in Columbus as a mass of returns Nick Wilson, Spencer German, the Sons of the Shoe podcast. Uh, Make sure to follow the Sons of the Shoe podcast wherever you get your podcasts. uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, of course, the free Odyssey app, 923thefan.com. But, of course, make sure to subscribe right here on 923thefan's YouTube channel as well. Uh, Make sure to comment on our videos as well. We love interacting with you guys, even the Michigan fans, who were always fun there. But uh, as I had mentioned, Spencer German, what a wild, wacky, and turbulent week for Ohio State fans. I think that's a good way to describe it. Um, you get the emotions of having to watch your biggest rival win a national championship and everything that comes with that, which is something we obviously talked about earlier in the week. Um, and I'm going to be honest, though, Nick, like my stance at the time was very much that that's a disaster and – how could you possibly take any positive away from it? Like you don't want to see your rival win. No, nobody from Michigan was enjoying watching Ohio state win a national championship in 2014 when they won it. Um, like it, it's a miserable feeling. You don't want to see that happen. But I, I do think like we've had the conversation and I think there's probably some truth to the idea that this really was now, maybe it shouldn't have been the, the ultimate wake up call. Maybe they should have had, seen, seen this coming uh, years prior when you lose to Michigan a couple years in a row, but this seems like it has served as a major, major wake-up call given what we've seen transpire since with all the guys that are coming back. I know we're going to go through the list um, with just – it's it sounds like – I, I know there was talk, and I know you talked to Albert Breer on, on your show on 92 Through the Fan, that after that game it sounds like there was a big push for like hat-in-hand – money like donations coming in like oh we need money to try to pay these kids like nio money let's get the collective really moving here and i have to imagine that has something to do with the number of guys who have come back that they've they've sort of got their their money in order and now there's even talk that with with i know another thing we'll get to nick saban leaving that maybe there's room to even add some players from that team that are going to end the end of the transfer portal so um yeah like on, on some level i think it was a wake-up call and I think we're seeing the the aftermath of that play out in real time where Ohio State is going all out to to make themselves a, a national championship contender and bring back a roster that is going to be absolutely stacked next year. Yeah, I mean, I think what's fascinating is Ohio State's gotten a lot of flack, and, and rightfully so, for not 
uh, seemingly spending enough NIL money in different places. That was part of the Carson Hinsman complaint on the yeah. uh, ever since deleted podcast, which I'm pretty sure <laughs> is now basically like a UFO file. Like it's just tucked away somewhere in Columbus at a catacomb. We'll never see it again. All right. Well, I don't yeah. even know that Carson oh, Hinsman I- exists anymore. Like that's a men in black type crap. Oh, I just showed up and uh, they like took the audio. They, they, they pulled, they somehow, they pulled it off the internet. They showed up at his house they searched his computer. They searched his room. They searched everything. They they they, they took everything they could. Now it's yeah. I think you're right. They have a they just have a basement. It's it's like the you know Disney. They they they, they every every so often they are like oh the Disney vault is opening up and we're releasing <laughs> yeah. this. That's what it is. Like every every now and then you'll hear like oh the audio's out there and then like no 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 Ohio State covered that shit up. <laughs> I just like the idea that it's like Urban Meyer is like part of you know because Urban's <laughs> such a Tommy Tough Nut. That Irby Two Digits has like an SS program that they run. Be- that that he like yeah sure it's Ryan Day's program, but but Urban Meyer's program is the uh, is the Secret Service part of this. And so with all this being said, like that's his role with the team still. He because they they say yes. sometimes it's around Columbus. Like he just goes. He's in charge of running like the 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 uh, Ohio State FBI. The uh, yeah <laughs> the, the, uh, the Secret Service. The Ohio State Black Ops teams yeah, that just go. erases everything. But I mean, I do think that's an interesting point that they, they've just been throwing money from the NIL to keeping guys here, bringing them back. And they also did make a couple staff changes. Uh, special teams coach Julian Fleming, uh, Julian Fleming, um, I'm going to screw it up. Special teams Parker, coach Parker Fleming. Parker Fleming, totally different guy, uh, is no longer with the program. They did swap out safeties coaches as well. That's all we've heard to this point officially, so we'll see if there are any more uh, changes on the horizon on the coaching staff. The special teams win was clearly the one that made a lot of sense, but, I mean, the headline here is the names that are returning, and it was cool when Tyleek Williams, uh, defensive tackle, said he was coming back. It was really great. I mean, I was pretty surprised when Denzel Burke on Wednesday said, I'm coming back, but to, to date, the only two Buckeyes going on the pros that really were significant contributors, you know, starters playing bulk of the, the snaps are Maserati Marv, which was not surprising, and and um, Michael Hall, the defensive tackle. But yesterday it was a bombshell. We, we tried to record yesterday. Your boy overslept. My bad. <laughs> and it ended up being the best oversleep in history because – um, in the time that we would have already recorded this podcast and put it out, um, JT Tuimoloau announced that he was coming back, and Travion Henderson was the last of yeah. this year's class to really say, the ones that we were really worried about, are they going pro, are they not? And Travion Henderson announcing late in my show yesterday that he was returning to Ohio State. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Travion made sense to me because of the because of the injuries and it kind of made sense like you know with the way running back uh contracts are set up one year's probably not going to cost him as much especially if he's a mid-round pick instead of a first round pick so a you know three or four year deal versus a a five-year deal so i think you can kind of make nil make sense for that kind of guy and his ability to stay healthy and prove that, you know, in a running back committee with Quinshawn Judkins this year, Quinshawn can do all the dirty works in between the tackles, and then they can just let Travion be just kind of this weapon. So I got to be honest with you, dude, I'm blown away that Travion's coming back. I'm I'm blown away that JT Tuimoloau is coming back, and he put it all together in a big context, and it's really impressive what Ohio State's been able to retain going into next year. I just want to say, too, um... (laughs) I had to laugh on – I guess it really was just on Friday. The number of people who I saw on social media trying to talk themselves into the idea that Marvin Harrison Jr. was also coming back. And and the, the, the argument they used was like, I don't know. We're getting down to the wire. Like Monday is the last day to declare, and he hasn't done it yet. Seems kind of curious. He's looking around, seeing all these other guys coming back. I feel like there's something there. And I was thinking, guys – we don't do this. Don't don't do this to yourself. We did it last year with CJ Stroud. We he waited till the very last day, and we kept hearing like, "Oh, maybe they're throwing money at him, and maybe he's gonna come back." And I got my hopes up. 
Everybody else got their hopes up. We all thought it was maybe possible that he'd come back to Ohio State because he wanted to finish and try to win a few things and maybe a national championship. He wanted to beat Michigan before he left. And then what happened? He waited to the last day. He ended up declaring. And now he's on his way to potentially winning Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have an Offensive Rookie of the Year type performance against the Browns later today, but that's another conversation. Um, but, yeah, like I, I – I wasn't going to do that to myself. It was pretty evident that Marvin Harrison Jr. was going to go pro once you kind of saw he wasn't practicing leading up to the Cotton Bowl. Once you saw he wasn't going to play in that game, you kind of knew the writing was on the wall, and it makes too much sense for him to leave. But I don't want that to distract from the fact that uh, of what we're talking about here, which is the idea that so many of these other players are coming back and that this roster is going to be absolutely loaded, particularly on defense. I mean, the uh, uh, yeah, the running back thing and Travion coming back is huge. And him and Quinshawn Judds, Judson sort of sharing uh, – Judkins, excuse me, sharing carries um, and sort of splitting that, splitting that backfield and, and, and sort of giving you two different looks in, in terms of the guys that they are and the, the players that they are and the style that they run with. It's going to be one of the hardest things for Big Ten defenses, other defenses once you get to playoff season to prepare for the idea that you have this kind of change of pace backfield – I mean, my God, like just a wealth of talent on this team, and especially at that position, offense is going to be loaded. The offense is going to essentially come down to, are they adding any more at the offensive line to sort of protect Will Howard and be able to really open up the running lanes for those two guys? And is Will Howard going to play um, better than Kyle McCord? Because people still have questions about that, I understand too. But on the defensive side of things, here's the thing. I feel like – like I've heard some people and their stance on all the guys coming back, which this feels like a weird stance to me. But the, there's been some people who the stance of the, all these guys coming back has been, well, we're bringing all these guys back from a team that couldn't beat Michigan, couldn't get to the playoff, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. Like they're, they're pointing out all the things that they couldn't do. And I just don't get – especially the defensive side of the ball – where that where that that concept comes from because this defense this past year was already really good like were they generating pressure the way Michigan did no but like they were a good a very good defense and they did still do a solid job against Michigan to the point where that was a one possession game and you had a chance to beat them but then on top of that Nick the idea that you would just completely eliminate from your mind any 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 concept of development on in players seems strange to me because like like and that was the how many times do we hear people all year like well Kyle McCord could just you know he might just need time it might just take time for him to develop and become this player like I saw Jack Sawyer develop literally right in front of our eyes this season I've been asking questions about where was this guy he was touted as the next the next Bosa the 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 long lost Bosa brother the third Bosa brother that that, that wasn't part of the family actually and he hasn't really delivered. And then late in the season this year, he started playing really, really well. And then I think the Cotton Bowl was kind of his, his, um, his, his, I don't know, the, the climax of his story, if you will, where he's, <laughs> where he's finally strong. I'm struggling for analogies this morning, I guess. Um, and he, and, and he played so well in that game that it gives you hope that he's going to kind of turn that corner and become more of a standout player and that player that you thought he could be when he came to Ohio State is one of their top 10 recruits of all time um, next year. So, I don't know, like, the to, to not be able to comprehend the idea that this defense, yeah, like, they weren't – they were really, really good. And there's areas where you're like, could they get better as a pass rushing team? Yes. Could they get better in a few other areas? Yes. But the idea that they can't develop with another year, like, that's the whole point of these guys coming back. And, and, and we see in college basketball, we see in college football, like, when you keep core groups together – that often pays dividends for you. I mean, look what Michigan did. Michigan brought all these guys back. They go and they win the national championship. They weren't as good as a defense and a team last year as they were this year. They got better. So I'm 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 super excited, especially for the defensive side of the ball, because I think that group is going to be so, so good. And to see just the number of guys who are bought into, yeah, the NIL is part of it, but bought into um, trying to come back and win something here at Ohio State, is it has to be exciting. I don't know how it can be anything else. Well, and I just think the reality is um, experience matters in college football, yes. right? 
And, you know, I, I don't think it's coincidence that over the last couple of years you've seen um, you've seen a lot of teams with those more experienced players, guys who've been in college six, seven, eight years oh. because of COVID and the transfer rules and all this. You, you've seen them at least have a better chance at making the playoffs, the more experienced rosters. I just think for me what it symbolizes is, you know, it's funny, you and I got pinged um, on our station this week because we weren't panicking we you know well you were panicking a little bit more than i was but by and large like i looked at at the michigan national championship and said let's go right they they finally come in to this rivalry this rivalry is officially back with them having won three straight games i thought that the i thought it was more about their glow up right than it was that ohio state took a step back but it's time. And so to see this roster, to see the, the the coaching staff take shape, to see the roster take shape, to me what this really says is, all right, Ryan, like I'm not happy with where Ryan Day is. I'm not panicking about where it is, um, but I, I open the door that next year is insanely crucial for him. But when you start to look at the actual roster itself, find me the excuse. Because um, if if the O line isn't good enough again, well, that's on Ryan Day. That's not a valid excuse. If Will Howard isn't a, a better fit for this offense, and that means a better quarterback for Ohio State, then that's on Ryan Day. So he last year, when I say last year, I mean the quarterback position. You got your gimme. That was your mulligan. And now this year. With this kind of talent, with the staff changes, there's no excuses because you will have one of the deepest teams in college football and you will have almost all your star power back. And and specifically on offense, Abuka, Carnell Tate, Jeremiah Smith, Brandon Ennis, um, uh, G. Scott, Quinshawn Judkins, Dallas Hayden, Travion Henderson. That is enough to have the kind of offense that we're used to seeing from Ryan Day instead of what felt like a very herky-jerky, anemic offensive point last year that was pretty much just throw the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. whenever you get a chance. So in that vein, is this, in your opinion, a roster that is a blessing or is it a curse for Ryan Day? Because I'm going into it like, you know me, like I'm, I'm the emotional fan. I react as the team does things and I get really yeah. into it. And my, that's, why I'm, that's, that's why the Michigan panic meter just goes like this all the time. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, here it's in the gray. Now it's in the, but anyway, um, like I, I, I'm more on the excited side of it where I see the opportunity here and I'm willing to go in the next year and be like, okay, like I I'll admit and, and, you know, like we both have been maybe less critical of Ryan Day at times than others. Now, I think the Cotton Bowl sort of turned things for me where I was like, all right, this guy, to put up three points in this game, I don't really think the game itself mattered. But to see that performance for a guy who's supposed to be some offensive guru and all this, it was like, okay, this is really disappointing. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm willing to go in the next year with questions, um, with some doubts about him as a coach. I've said it on this show that I think he puckers, he he almost becomes James Franklin in, in, in key moments at times, and it's it's disappointing, except against James Franklin. Um, and you I can never out James Franklin, James <laughs> Franklin, just so Which, we're clear. Well, we got to get to that later, but the yeah. fact that his name was floated as a potential for the, the Alabama job is out of this world ridiculous. But anyway, if if uh, if I had James Franklin's agent, I would have Jeff Bezos money. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You have WFAN like, right now or something? Yeah, <laughs> I would be beyond that. I would I would make ESPN. Colin Coward. I would make Colin Coward look like a, a, ho- a host in Boise, Idaho. That's that's with, with James oh, Franklin's man. agent. Anything is possible. I'm pretty damn sure. But you mentioned uh, so you asked a question about is yeah. it a blessing? Is it a curse? And I think, listen, I think it's a blessing for Ohio State and whatever new AD you have, because there's there's no room for excuses there really isn't and i think it is a blessing for ryan day to the in, until it's not and what i mean by that is i think if you're a head coach going into a year where it may or may not be as simple as you have to go undefeated you have to beat michigan you have to win the big 10 title you have to compete in the playoffs if not win a national championship as 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 much pressure as that is, as rough as that can be, the reality is, you you would want uh you would want everything at your disposal 
if that was the case. And it sure seems like from a talent perspective, even though, man, it'd be nice to get a, 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 a one at least one tackle on the portal, Caleb Downs is a name that has been, and he's a safety from Alabama. That's a name that has really been um, pre, uh, out there a lot that the Buckeyes yeah. are throwing some NIL money at him. He, he well, might and be and they, were, they, they recruited him initially, and yeah. he went to – he chose Bama. Um, I mean, the, the saving thing changes the game. Like, I think that's part of this equation too, Nick, in terms of, like, talking about this roster being a blessing or a curse because, like, if you think about the landscape of college football, if you're Ryan Day – like now there's a, Nick Saban's kind of out of the picture now. Right. And I'm not saying Alabama's going to be garbage, but Kalen DeBoer takes that job. Um, we see the recruits that are considering transferring all these different things. Like that team's not going to be the same. Um, and I mean, that's, that, let's face it. Like that's the greatest college football coach of all time. That's now not in your path necessarily towards a championship. So that the, he's out of the way. There's a, there's an op, there's a chance here that Jim Harbaugh is going to go to the pros and so now he's out of your way. And so like this, this, the, the, the stage is set. Like the, there, there is a, a um, just, there, there is a path that's kind of clear for you to build this amazing roster. And the only real teams that you feel like are going to be massive challengers to you are maybe a Florida state, depending on the guy. They, they had a lot of guys transfer though. That's the biggest thing for them. Um, but like George is always going to be in the conversation. Kirby smarts, a great coach. Uh, Oregon's still probably going to be there with Dan Lanning, although they're going to have a different quarterback next year. So, like, there's these teams that are there, but the, the path is even more clear than it's ever been potentially. So, like, I think it is a blessing for him. I think it's also a blessing for Ohio State because they're going to get the clearest picture they can on whether or not Ryan Day should be here long term. Like, we're going to have all, all the questions that we have answers about um, and, and in regards to Ryan Day and his future and his ability to do to lead this this team and all that those are going to be answered this year. Like, cause there's no excuses now. Like there's nothing standing in his way from being in a, uh, in a deep, making a deep playoff run, make it beating Michigan, like all the boxes that you want to check. That should be, he should accomplish all those things this year. So I, listen, I think it's a blessing because they're bringing back a talented roster and it's an opportunity to go win something and have a really special season. But I do think it's more of a blessing for Ryan day because like on on one hand, yeah, the pressure's on, but I think the 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 moves and the um, actions of this week tell me that he already knows that anyway. Like he knows the pressure's on, and now he's just got to go deliver, and that should be ultimately where his head is at anyway. So I I think it's a blessing all around. I do. Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing is if you're going into a season where it is, um, whether it's championship or bust or beat Michigan or bust, however you want to frame it, and that's something we'll get into, you know, on future episodes, that specific or bust, the reality is you want a full deck. You want as much at your disposal, uh, as, disposal as possible. And from a roster perspective, I mean, the cup runneth over right yeah. now with all these returning yeah. players. Real quick, because I... You know what? I want to hold it. I, I have a question about the, the returnees. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, I was going to say off of your point, the reason it's a blessing is because it shrinks that margin of error for Ryan Day even more in terms of, like, winning on the football field. Like, we have questions about him as a coach at times. Like, oh, he did – you know, is he going to be aggressive on fourth down situations and all this different stuff? If you have as much talent as Ohio State is, has coming back, he now makes it so that his job is just a little bit easier on game day because he doesn't necessarily have to overthink things. Well, hey, fourth and two, I got Quinshawn Judkins, who's one of the best in between the tackle runners in the game. I'm just going to give him the damn football. Like that's the type of stuff that like why I think it's 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 a good thing for him because now if if we're worried about him as a coach, I'm not. This this is going to sound bad, but like if he has to almost coach less that helps his cause. And I'm not saying that that's how it should be. And that that's that, you know, you want, you want the best of the best at Ohio state in terms of X's and O's and all these different things. But um, I think that if, if, if there's an opportunity to make his life easier because his team is just so ultra talented, I think that works in his favor. And I think that's what we're seeing. Well, and I, I just think it's as simple as now it's about culture and yeah. the hope is, cause that really is. And I agree with a lot of Ohio state fans have said this. Michigan fans have said this, the difference between Michigan and Ohio state the last couple of years has been culture and a focus. 
And, you know, I think Ohio State's focus has been world domination. And I think Michigan's focus has been we're going to start with dominating the Big Ten and work out from there. And I think that three-year plan came to fruition. They started dominating the Big Ten three years ago and specifically, you know, running the rivalry, running the game. And now you've got this – now you've got – they're running the Big Ten. They're running the world now. So – I think now it becomes, all right, are these coaching changes really going to help you change the culture? And what are you, Ryan Day, doing to change the culture? Because if he thinks, well, now I have so much talent, I don't have to worry about, um, you know, properly emphasizing the Michigan game, or I don't have to you know, worry about the changing tides in college football, where the gap between the top three teams and the top, you know, four teams behind them is now nil. Whereas, you know, three years ago, that's all that mattered was talent to some degree on a national level. Um, if he does, if he thinks that, that just, okay, my work's done because the collective and I have, have re-recruited our own roster back, I think that's going to bite him in the ass. So, you know, from a roster perspective, oh, all right, bringing Caleb Downs, maybe Caden Proctor, another Alabama, you know, tackle, or sorry, another Alabama player that uh, Ohio State was in on until the very last second until he went to Bama. Like, let's see if you can find a couple more pieces here. But now it is, how do you get these guys uh, understanding the importance of not just beating Penn State and all these, but making sure you beat Michigan, making sure you bring home the ten, Big Ten title. And I think if if you start home, if you start where it matters and then build from there, very much like Michigan did, I think you could have those dividends paid this year. And I think Ryan Day could answer all of his questions in one year, and that means running the gamut of beating Michigan, winning the Big Ten, and winning a national title. I think that's a good perspective. I think that's a good point. I also think, too, Nick – like to me, part of this comes down to can Ryan Day do basically you you mentioned Michigan focused to shifting to like let's just worry about the Big Ten first and go from there. I mean the 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 flip the script we we've talked about already like the the script's already been flipped because Michigan goes and wins a national title right in your face. But like Ryan Day now has to do what Jim Harbaugh did, right? Like it's it's almost the 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 thing the the entire narrative shifting to you now of what we thought about Michigan a couple years ago, which was, oh, well, they can't beat Ohio State. They can't beat Urban Meyer. Like Jim Harbaugh just has to admit that on some level, Jim uh, um, Urban Meyer was his was his daddy. Like like he owned him. He, he could not get past the mighty Urban Meyer. And now Ryan Day kind of has to concede the same thing. I can't get past Jim Harbaugh. And if Jim Harbaugh goes to the pros, Okay, so now the question becomes, can you do what Michigan did? Can Are you capable of not worrying so much about like, well, let's just be this fast-paced team and go out and, and have all these sports cars and be this finesse team? Like, let's focus on doing what we need to do to win this conference, beat that team finally, and go one step at a time and reverse your misfortune. Like, can you now become the thing that – Sharon Moore can't overcome or whoever the hell the next head coach of Michigan potentially becomes, assuming Jim Harbaugh leaves. Like, can you now flip that script in your favor? Um, and I, I think he's capable of it with the roster, especially that he has coming back. But we're going to find that out pretty quickly here, which is why I think this is a good thing all around, because we're going to get answers to our questions. He's going to have an opportunity to answer his questions. This roster is, I mean, it, it's going to be a fun season, I think, ahead just because of the fact that this, this group is going to be so stacked. All right, leave your comments uh, below here, guys. Or, Anik Wilson says, at Spencito underscore on X, um, is is all this returning talent, is this talent that uh, Columbus is, is kind of uh, amassing here, is this a blessing or a curse for Ryan Day? And the least surprising news this week and a chance to say goodbye one of the true Ohio State greats. That's coming up. But first, a word from our sponsors. So the least surprising news this week, and Ohio State fans held out hope till the very end, as you mentioned in the previous segment, Maserati Marv is headed off to the NFL. And 
you know, I'll just start here. I think, you know, the only missing piece and the only kernel of doubt on why Marvin would have come back is the one that just can't matter more than his future, which is he is the rare Buckeye in the last 10 years. And, and several of his classmates now are trying to rectify this. Um, coming back to Columbus, he's the rare Buckeye that never beat Michigan. And I think that sucks because in every other way, you could look at Marvin Harrison and say he is one of the truly greatest wide receivers in Buckeyes history, which is wild. Considering I want I want to ask I want to ask if he's the best. And, can, and, 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 and listen, I'll tell you, like if you look at the numbers, um, he finished fourth all time in Ohio State history in terms of total yards re- receiving. He was about 80, 70, 77 yards shy of David Boston to pass him. We know Chris Olave accomplished the feat of passing David Boston before he left. He, he had 2,711 yards. Um, he's behind Olave and Boston. He missed David Boston by one touchdown for receiving touchdowns. Chris Olave finished with 35 in his Ohio State career. Um, so they were pretty he, – he's, he's certainly in that conversation with those two guys. Um, and then he finished fifth all time in terms of receptions in Ohio state history. But I just think from like a, a standpoint of like big picture, Nick, I understand like the stats of the stats, the numbers, of the numbers, some of that too. He probably would. I mean, he had a couple games this year where he put up zero touchdowns and it was like, okay, that seems ridiculous for a guy who's this good. And if you had a different quarterback this year, you wonder if that had looked differently. Um, but like, I don't know. I'm hard pressed and I, and I'm going to fully admit, like I wasn't necessarily in tune with the David Boston years when I was like a five or, you know, five to eight year old when he was at Ohio state. Um, but to me, man, like he is the, the, he might've been, he might've been the best wide receiver in like college football history in terms of just like the readiness to go pro. I mean, I've been saying for the last two years, the day he goes pro or gets drafted, he will already be a top 10 wide receiver in football. Like that is hard to, like, especially in today's game, that's a hard thing to imagine a player already being, but he was, he has to be to me like the most talented, exciting, some of the ways he contorted his body to like keep, keep his feet in balance at times. I, I'll never forget that one play where his leg was like, he had like his knee up in the air and his body's being like pulled out of bounds and he somehow got his foot. It was ridiculous. Like the guy was remarkable. It stinks. He didn't win anything, but I think he goes down. Like to me has to be the best wide receiver in Ohio state history. So I think he's going to be the best wide receiver in from Ohio state in Ohio state or in Ohio state history to go into the NFL. Meaning that I think as great as Terry Glenn was, as great as um, Michael Thomas has been, as great as Olave looks to be, there are a, a myriad of other names, by the way, because Ohio State has had so many phenomenal wide receivers. I mean, even Brian Hartline, you know, was like a fifth round yeah. pick or fourth or fifth round pick, and ended up having amassing, I think, between eight to ten thousand yards. I, I might for, I might have actually inflated that a little bit off the top of my head, but the point is. You know, even the guys who weren't the number one wide receiver on some teams ended up going to the NFL and having a, you know, 5,000 yard career. So I think when it comes to going into the NFL, I think he's going to, I think he can be a Hall of Famer. Like, I think he can join his dad in the Hall of Fame. That's how great of a player I think he's going to be. I think injuries are going to be the only cause for concern. There's no way he's the number, he's the best wide receiver in Ohio State history because the team accomplishments weren't there. And I don't take I don't really take any joy in saying that. That's fair. But like, um, I mean, I, I think in terms of domination, he is as good of a wide receiver as I've ever seen. I mean, honestly, I, I it's a damn shame we didn't get to see what he could do with a better quarterback this year. But I I think I don't think he can be the best player at a position in Ohio State's illust- illustrious history if you'd never beat Michigan and you never won a national title. That hurts even more because if only he hadn't got a concussion in that Georgia game, we might be talking about a guy who had a national championship, and then we'd feel differently. Well, you, by, by the way, do you do you agree or disagree with my statement? I think the accolades matter. That's fair. Um, I guess for me, like I, as we started the conversation, I I, I always I don't know. I like to look at those things from a, a standpoint of like if you take all the stuff that's like 
it takes more than just him to earn. Um, and you take that out of it, which again, like the, so the team accomplishment type things, if you're just solely looking at the player and the talent and what he brought to the table. And I do this too, with like the, not to go on this tangent, cause this can become a whole thing, but like the LeBron, Michael Jordan conversation to me, listen, if you want to have that argument, I'm not going to sit here and, and pick sides on that right now. But to me, like LeBron, we like there's never been a player like LeBron James that's played the game of basketball. Like if just from like the physical specimen part of it, like if you're talking goat, um, he had he clearly had more like ability and talent than Michael Jordan did. Um, but obviously, Michael Jordan did a lot with what he had and became this accomplished figure that we consider the goat. So I'm not the so yeah, like the the accolades do matter in that conversation. But I think like if I if you're just looking solely at the player, like LeBron James is like something we've never seen before. And that's kind of the way I was taking it with Marvin was at face value, like just look at the player, look at his body of work in terms of like the stats, the numbers, and also just what he does physically from a talent standpoint. We have never seen anything like Marvin Harrison Jr. as a receiver at Ohio State. And there's been some really good wide receivers. Like, I mean, that guy stepped in in that Rose Bowl game and lit it up as uh, essentially he was a true freshman, I believe that year. And it, it's, it's been, it's been a fun, fun ride to see him develop into what he is. You're right. It, it stinks that it doesn't come with the accolades and the championships or beating Michigan, the gold pants. Um, but it, it has been fun. You wish he had more of that, but I, I walk away feeling like I've witnessed Truly one of the greatest players I've ever seen in college football ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I actually disagree that we've never seen anything like this at Ohio State. I think um, I think uh, Ohio State fans remember Chris Carter when he was a, a very True. young pup. Before. I'm being hyperbolic for sure. Well, but, well, but like, I mean, I, I think Ted Ginn was a guy that I just never seen anybody with that kind of speed. So, like, I, I don't think the gap between what Marvin, uh, who Marvin was or – Alave or Michael Thomas or um, Ted Ginn or Terry Glenn or Chris Carter. And by the way, I'm, I'm leaving out like five names in there um, and probably of just the last 15, 20 years. But I, I think when it comes down to Marvin, I think the, I actually think this last year was his most impressive year simply because Abuka was hurt most of the year. Travion was hurt for a, a bulk of the middle of the year. And even though Cade Stover had a couple moments, G Scott, Carnell Tate, like you go through, uh, you know, some of these guys, they, they had plenty of talent, but he had to be the offense. Be, you know, yeah. if, if, if Marvin had actually had a better quarterback this year, one, his numbers would be off of the chart and all that other stuff, but he like, he just wouldn't have been in charge with scoring that many points. And he really was like, you're at any point Kyle McCord was looking at him because Kyle McCord knew that's my whoopee. So not only did he protect a young quarterback who quite frankly was not very good. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to rubber stamp this take. I cannot wait to be vindicated when Kyle McCord gets benched at Syracuse next year or when Kyle McCord wins <laughs> six, six games because you're, you're, I have you're never... waiting for it to happen. You're going to be rooting. It's it's uh yeah, you're, you're, you're rooting hard for that to happen. So you can be right. And I, and I, here's the thing. I don't root for the young man to fail, but I just think the amount of takes that Kyle McCord is some otherworldly player. Oh, he's a top 10 quarterback. No, his stats are top 10 and that's because of Marvin Harrison. Yeah. And I think Marvin I Harrison's individual legacy at Ohio State is going to age really, really well based on what happens with Kyle McCord elsewhere. But like thinking back to this year, he was the offense for most of the year. And I, the thing that I will give him, you know, two years ago, you had a bookie, you had other weapons, you had a healthier team, you had CJ Stroud. So it's not that it was, it wasn't impressive. It's that there were other key pieces functioning around him offensively. This year, it was it was Marvin Harrison Jr. and almost almost to the Buckeyes, and not, not discredit, but like watch, it's like Steph Curry in basketball. Watch the defensive gravity and the defensive mindset paid to Marvin Harrison Jr. this year because they could because they could throw bracket coverage him, or they could throw two or three guys, or or have three guys in the general vicinity. That's because they could, and Marvin still had a historic season. 
that I do think is is a feather in his cap, what he did in his final year in Columbus, because it's not his fault, as you'd said, that they didn't beat Michigan or that they didn't uh, win a national championship this year. That belongs on the pieces around him. But for him to still be at the level he was this year is wildly and incredibly impressive. Agreed. Um, and I, I I see your point for sure on like some of these other great Ohio State wide receivers. Um, I just like I've just been so impressed every time he st- he takes the field. And you're right, like he it's the same conversation we have with like Miles Garrett in the Browns, where he was the player that you were scheming for the opponent. That was the first person you're talking about when you were scheming for Ohio state. It was, we have to find a way to take this guy specifically away. And if we can do that, we have a chance to win. I was going to bring up real quick. Cause you mentioned Michael Thomas. It's funny. Like Michael Thomas had, had he early, he's a, he's had a lot of injuries of late, obviously. And that's kind of derailed his career. But when he first got to the NFL and broke out as a rookie and all this different stuff, and he earned the big contract, he was at one point one of the best, if not the best, uh, receiver yeah. in the NFL. It's funny though, because like I don't even necessarily like I remember bits and pieces of his career. I remember the touchdown uh, and during the playoff run that he had. Um, but he's only like 24th on this list all time in terms of yards, and in terms of touchdowns, he is 13th. So like he's a little bit lower on the list. Like I don't even think of him as like an all-time great necessarily Ohio State receiver. He is. And he won a championship, so that elevates him a little bit. But it's funny because like there's just so many names as you as we have this conversation that you can go back on and be like, oh yeah, that guy went to Ohio State, and oh yeah, that guy also went to Ohio State. The the the, the wealth of receiver talent that's come out of that program is is pretty incredible. You all well, things and, considered. And based off that, that's where I really think Marvin's legacy is going to be. You know, like I think he's going to be remembered as the greatest Ohio State receiver in the NFL, and 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 that's because the the accolades just weren't there this year. You know, like well, I, I, the, the individual accolades were, but the team accolades the last three years weren't there. Yeah. But I think if this dude goes, I mean, if he goes to Chicago, I think he's making Justin Fields' career. I really yeah. think he has. I mean, I think this is. I think that could be. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. That's how important I think Marvin could be. And like, I'll say it again: if 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 this guy stays healthy, um, ten thousand yards is like the beginning point for the conversation for his career, because he'll play. He'll like his dad. He'll play. You can tell he's going to work his ass off and just be a key part. Like he's not content with just making the NFL. And you can kind of tell that with how he kind of grew and got better at Ohio State as well. He walked in and he was arguably your best wide receiver by the end of his freshman year. And he was not content at just staying there. He continued to get better. But you put him in Arizona with Kyler. You put him, I mean, the quarterback matters. But I think yeah. Marvin is going to make or break, uh, can be the guy that makes a quarterback in the NFL. And so I just think it's going to be wild because the the revisionist takes are going to be greatest wide receiver in in Ohio State history. And uh, it's not going to matter to some people the Michigan losses. It's not going to matter the lack of national championship. But I think the proper take is holy crap, the NFL look out. Like you you guys don't even you guys don't even know what's going to hit you. The man is going to and I think he has a wide receiver. He could be the first guy to control the top of the draft because I think the bears are either going to be trading out of that first round pick, but trying to stay close enough that they can get Marvin uh, in the top three, or the bears are going to say, we're going to take this kid. Number one, pair him with Justin Fields to hell trading down. And I think that's wild. I mean, that's, that's very rare that you have a wide receiver that has that kind of impact on the draft there. So we do have plenty to get to here, guys. Do you guys consider Marvin Harrison jr. To be the absolute, best wide receiver in in Ohio State history. Uh, hit us up in our comments. At Nick Wilson says, at Spencito underscore on X. But when we come back, we have to say goodbye to another very prominent name in college football. But first, a word from our sponsors.
All right, guys, final segment of today's Sense of the Shoe podcast. We'll get to the Michigan panic meter in just a moment here. But the latest reports on the Michigan coaching front, Jim Harbaugh will visit the Chargers this week. And um, what's interesting is that's really been the team he's most been connected to. Carolina does not appear to be uh, a possibility. There is some scuttlebutt now that Washington has a a GM with 49ers ties that maybe that could be a spot for Harbaugh. But um, I thought it was interesting, Spencer, for all those people. And I was one of them. I thought it was fait accompli. He was gone. The Vegas odds went from plus 700 after Michigan won the national title that he would not be in the NFL next year. So really good odds that you would have to kind of almost a sucker's bet to take plus 700 for a coach expected to go to the NFL. And by the end of the week, it was in the minus 100s that he would be uh, not coaching in the NFL. So Vegas money thinks that Jim Harbaugh is going back to Michigan for what it's worth. I thought the Chargers still had the best odds. Um, so this is just Willie being college, Willie being. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Because I saw, I, I heard somebody at one point was talking about how, like, the Chargers have the best odds, and the second best odds were he doesn't, he stays in college, and like the third best odds, like further down the list, were like the Raiders or something like that. Um, so yeah, I think that's interesting. Uh, I mean, listen, we knew all along he was going to field some offers or, or sort of look around and explore, particularly because he didn't sign that contract that was apparently on the table that said, hey, the only stipulation is you can't look at NFL jobs this year. So um, I think he I, – I, we've, we've already kind of exhausted the Harbaugh to the NFL conversation, but I, I'll, I'll repeat the same things I've been saying, which is I just think that guy wants to win at that level too. He already knows he had success at that level. There's only – three coaches all time who have been two of them were basically named national champions and then won a Super Bowl. The only one who's actually truly won both of those outright is Pete Carroll. So he'd be in some elite company. And that was kind of the question he got asked after the win the other night. Um, He would be in some elite company if he could pull that off. I just think too, Nick, like I understand the lure of winning the national championship and maybe that pulls at the heartstrings a little bit to bring, bring it back. It sounds like Michigan's trying to make like a final push to get him or keep him, keep him around. But at the same time, like with the sanctions that are going to be coming like this, I, I, I just think it's going to be too much for him where he's like, I don't want to deal with any of this bullshit anymore. I'm going to go to the NFL and sort of seek refuge there. And I know that I could win here and see what happens so i don't know and listen there's no there's nothing saying he can't ever go back to michigan like if it doesn't work out in the charges in like three four years you don't think michigan's gonna be like hey come back we we want you you want us a national championship like he's got a one-way ticket back there anytime he wants i i think it's really fascinating i think there was a reporter who said people around the nfl expect jim harbaugh in the nfl but people around harbaugh and and by the way people around michigan expect him in the nfl but people who who are in his inner circle think he might want to stay at Michigan. And I just think that's a really fascinating idea of oh, this whole time we've assumed he wants to go to the NFL, um, but this might come down to he just wants to feel the love, which I think we can all understand. Let's get to the Michigan panic meter here. And I got to be honest with you, I almost regret going into the full gray where I am just completely light gray, no panic, uh, earlier this week, uh, or sorry, I think it was after Will Howard committed last week, because now I'm really not worried. Ohio State has returned as much talent as you possibly could have expected, and even more. And to me, I was pretty confident you had a good chance to beat Michigan because of a lot of different circumstances uh, next year before uh, Travion Henderson, Emeka Abuka, and JT Tuimolo Al came back. But that is like I think you can make a case that Travion was um, maybe your best offensive player at points, even with Marvin on the field at points in the second half of the year. I think Emeka Abuka is going to reestablish his value this year, and I think he's is destined for a monster season because all he needs to do is stay healthy. And I think uh, Tui Moloau changes the explosiveness of your defense. So I am even in You're a lighter. Gray? I I I am. I, I have zero concern about meeting, beating Michigan. Mm. I am that's right, total gray, a total total gray. I am uh, fully damn torqued, as they would say on my old night show. How about you? 
Uh, I'm going to go I, – I think I moved myself into the white after the Michigan championship game. I was in the light gray, went to the white, um, given some of the context just around – or I might have gone even to light scarlet. I don't remember. I feel like I should have gone to light scarlet. But I'm going to actually go back the other direction now. Like I said, my meter is always moving. It's, it's, uh, it's like the Energizer bunnies. It's always moving. It doesn't stop in one place ever. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go light gray. So just below you, I'm going to be in the light gray. I think the news of this week, it comes with the backdrop of Michigan winning the national championship. So I can't go full gray just yet. And the idea that maybe Harbaugh sticks around now that we just kind of talked about that kind of has me a little bit like, okay, that's not maybe good for Ryan day. Cause he has gotten out coached by him, but given just everything surrounding Ohio state and the push that they've made, after seeing Michigan win the championship to really bullshit this roster, bring guys back, build a juggernaut team. Um, yeah, like I feel really good about the the prospects of this Ohio State team taking down Michigan next year, winning a lot of the things that they're supposed to win. So I'm going to I'm gonna be in the light gray for now. And I'm sure as the offseason continues, I'll continue to trend a little bit more towards uh, the darker gray where you are right now. So we'll see. So while we wait to find out whether uh, – You're going to try to learn. You're going to be like, hey, come on in. Water's fine. In the yeah. in the dark gray end of the pool, I just think it's funny that <laughs> I don't the know people, if a dark gray water in a pool is a good thing, but you know. I just think it's funny that the people who panic the hardest are also the people who are like most skeptical about being super excited. Like I, I feel like you went hard in the paint on uh, earlier this week about what uh, what a Michigan national championship um, meant for Ohio State, which by the way was our number one most watched uh, video ever so far. Yeah. On on Thank YouTube. You. So and and I think our most downloaded uh, podcast as well. So we want to say thank you to guys for that. We appreciate that. All the comments, all the you know stuff we're getting on social media as well. We appreciate all that, but. I think it's wild that you guys aren't the ones, the, the first ones running back. That that I, who have been, I think, pretty balanced in this whole thing, am the one that's like, LFG, I think we got it. Like I, <laughs> I, I just think it's interesting that that the most cynical, not cynical, the most balanced person is the one most excited about the team right now. I would say, because like you said, like I said, my emotions kind of go as the team goes. And yeah, like seeing Michigan win sucks. Um, but I, like, I, I'm excited by the moves that they've made this week and I'm not so down this rabbit hole of, you know, anti Ryan day and anti negativity, anti nothing good's ever going to happen here again, that I can't see the forest through the trees, if you will. Like, I, I understand what the goal is here and I'm still, I mean, I said it earlier, like the, the fact that they're bringing all these guys back and there's a chance for them to develop even more and be even better of a team. I can see that the, the efforts being put in to make this thing, to turn this thing around and change what we've seen the last couple of years. So I can, I appreciate that as a fan. I admire that as a fan. And so I am very excited. Um, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of getting out of the, the funk of seeing Michigan win it. So I'm kind of easing my way into the gray, but I am very, very excited about the prospects of where this team's headed. And I think like we talked about already, um, you know, it's going to be put up, put up or shut up time for Ryan day, but I think that's also very exciting because it means that Ohio state should be back on the level that we want. Them to be. Yeah. I think it's an interesting time, you know, um, and just Ohio state and college football and, you know, the last probably 20 years have brought more change in college football than the previous hundred years yeah. given, I mean, it's just been, you know, full speed ahead, light speed, and it seems to get quicker. You know, the, the, the farther we're going along here, the more the change seems to speed up. Um, all this being said, like, you know, like it's put up or shut up time for, for Ryan Day in Columbus, you have a stacked roster, but that goes against you. If you don't have the kind of team success, uh, we're expecting this year. And if Will Howard maybe falters a little bit, or if you have to juggle quarterbacks, that kind of stuff, or if that offensive line can't, um, you know, finally break through under Justin Fry, while we also look at it and say, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh is going to be here. And also we look at the retirement of Nick Saban because a point I made in the NFL is, you know, with like Belichick and Pete Carroll, no longer being entrenched coaches, Belichick, 20 plus years, Pete Carroll, 14 years in Seattle. There's an opportunity for franchises that, that are below Seattle and new England in the pecking order because of that continuity the more continuity those franchises have that are below them, the better chance they have to break through and either challenge those organizations for the way we think about the pantheon of great um, 
football teams or out and out just leapfrog them. And I feel like, you know, I tend to think Michigan just caught up with you instead of Ohio State took a step back. I think that's a perceptive thing that's that fair. Ohio State fans just panic about because all of a sudden Michigan is, is as good as you over the last three years for the first time in 15 years. So I don't necessarily think Ohio State needs to take a step forward. What I will say is anytime you lose Nick Saban, 17 years of dominance, six titles in that's Alabama. Um, yeah, I think there are – even though you want to play in a different conference, I do think this is going to open up more of an opportunity to win a national championship on any given year. And all of a sudden, I don't think we just take for granted how dominating Alabama is or how tough of an out they are in the playoffs. And between Saban and Harbaugh, yeah, I mean, if if Harbaugh then is the other shoe that drops, there's a huge, huge opportunity for Ohio State to slide back into what some people feel like are their, yeah. their their rightful position, and a lot of that, a lot of that starts with Saban going and potentially uh, Harbaugh going as well. Well, first of all, I want to say um, the idea of like Belichick, Saban, all these guys retiring this week is just like young me is is thinks this is weird. Like all, all I've ever known in my football loving life has been Nick Saban doing it in college football. Bill Belichick doing it in the NFL, so it's it's been kind of a. I mean, listen, I'm not, I don't have like some massive ties to Bill Belichick in New England or even Nick Saban in Alabama, but just to like lose these icons that I've always watched is kind of crazy. Um, and you, it, not, I don't get emotional about it, but it, you, you kind of you you reflect on it a little bit. Like as all I've known when I've as I've watched college football in the NFL is these two guys. So it is kind of weird to to see both of them kind of leaving. I, Belichick could be going somewhere else, but. He's been obviously a, an institution in, in New England for so long that it's just weird to see that he could go coach somewhere else. Almost like Brady going to play for Tampa Bay was weird for a period of time until he won a Super Bowl. But um, yeah, I, I think here's the other thing too, Nick, because you bring up the changes in college football. Nick Saban was truly the probably the last coach in college football who could show up at a kid's house and try to recruit somebody based off of just like the resume he has and the aura that he boasts alone. Like he's the last person who could show up in your living room and say like, here's why you should play for me. I get results. I win national championships. I've sent a hundred and or two or whatever it is. A hundred plus kids to the NFL, 44 to 49 of them. I think were first round picks. Like he could, he could stand there and you see the proof is in the pudding where NIL still mattered to these kids, but they also had the lure of, yeah, Nick Saban is that guy, right? That that's gone. Like, there's not a lot of coaches. There's there, there the number of coaches that can now show up in a kid's living room and boast that, and and try to convince a kid to come play for you because you get results is now few and far between. So that's why I think Saban's departure also, and it sounds like a lot of his departure had to do with that. I heard Paul Feinbaum talking about this week that this week, like he said, phone conversations with Nick Saban about just how nil isn't for him and all this different stuff. So, um. Like I think this truly sets the stage for college football has completely changed, and it's only going to change more without Nick Saban as part of it because we're like full bore now into the NIL era, and there's no more of this like come play for me because of this, you know, these reasons. It's what the the, num the number one priority for a lot of kids is truly going to be, well, what's the how much are you going to pay me? And I think Ohio State, from a program standpoint, maybe not from a Ryan Day coaching standpoint, from, but from a program standpoint, can still say we produce, like, look at the results, look what we produce, look who we send to the NFL, but the money is still going to matter. And I think it, it in relation, again, we're talking about it changing. I think we saw that. I think we saw Ohio State more than ever embrace the NIL era this week with a lot of the guys they brought back and the moves that they made, and there's maybe more to come. So, yeah, like, this, this represents to me – Yes, it's the end of Saban's reign, and it's the end of the greatest of all time to do it. His career, he steps aside, but it's also just like a like symbolic almost of where college football is and the direction that they're heading, which is why I think it's interesting. But I do agree, like Ohio State has an opportunity here. If you don't embrace NIL, you're going to get left behind. So sorry, Dabo Sweeney, which, by the way, one of the funniest things that came out of this week was I loved, I was relishing and seeing all these videos and things from Alabama fans, Alabama fans wanted nothing to do 
with Dabo. Not a damn thing. All I saw was anybody but Dabo was like the slogan on, on social media for, for who they wanted the next head coach to be. <laughs> that guy is an Alabama alum, and they don't even want him. Like, that tells you all you need to know. He would have showed up in that locker room and been like, well, we don't need NIL. We got Jesus. And everybody would have hit the transfer portal immediately that second. It would have been hilarious. I think they were kind of dumb for not talking to Dabo. And maybe maybe Dabo said he doesn't want to go. He's been staunch that he's happy at Clemson. Um, I think the resume, what he did at Clemson is so much more impressive than what some guys do at, at other Power 5 schools because Clemson had not been at this level that they had been up until about two years ago until Dabo got there. So. I digress because I also think Dabo can be a bit of a clown sometimes and his transfer portal ideas are just ridiculous. But I do think real quick, like I, I can't hear anything you're saying. How many more names? Sorry. How many more names uh, down the list? Cause I think it's obvious. Kalen DeBoer was not uh, their number one choice uh, based on the reporting and things that have definitely out. How many more names down the list? Like if Kalen DeBoer said, I'm staying at Washington, how many more names until you got to James Franklin? <laughs> That's um, the question. <laughs> well, again, like we've talked about, James Franklin's agent, if if you want to represent a fat radio guy with limited talent, uh, <laughs> at Nick Wilson says on X, okay? Um, but no, I would say – I would definitely not say the top 10. I would probably say that James Franklin was not really part of the top 15. But that's just me. That's just my <laughs> own – personal feeling like hey uh, oh hey, God, uh hey, what what can you do for us james franklin Ultimate well example of failing upwards it feels yeah like well him. would you like to lose to georgia every year and maybe lsu because i could do that for you like any <laughs> any top 15 game i'm gonna lose for you and, and when we no see ohio state and if we make the playoff and we see ohio state we'll lose to them too yeah i will i will and just out of honor i will poop the bed against ohio state yet, yet again um <laughs> And by the way, while we're on this, Nick Saban leaving needs to be the warning sign and the uh, the lesson for Ohio State fans. Because when Ohio State or when Michigan uh, claimed the national championship earlier this week, there were people the day after saying "Fire Ryan Day now," which is not smart. It's just not. And if and you see Nick Saban retired, the goat retired at Alabama. They have a head coach in place two days later, but because uh, there's a coaching change, the portal now opens up for Alabama an extra 30 days for players. And Caleb Downs has been linked to Ohio State. There's a talk that even though Caleb DeBoer seems to already be on the phones trying to recruit players to stay, that they could lose five to six significant contributors. So to Ohio State fans that wanted to fire Ryan Day, if you had – uh, you would have had to open up the transfer portal for another 30 days. And I this time, I don't think you're lo- losing like your third string safety. I think you'd be losing a lot of significant players. I thought that was like the, the yeah. and not just to Ohio State, but to anybody who gets antsy in their pantsy in January and says, fire the coach out of uh, coaching season. Well, in theory, Ohio State could have somebody pretty quickly too, because uh, Mike Vrabel's out there. Just say, well, uh, here, can People I say this? Stone name horny for if, Mike Vrabel. If, if I just Mike, roll my eyes. It sounds like Mike Vrabel may not get it. Like now that New England's filled their job with Gerard Mayo, like there's talk that maybe Vrabel takes a year off. So if that's the case, like he's going to be there next year then. Like it, it, like no. you have now a year. If you're really worried, that worried about Ryan Day, there's a chance that you might have a year to kind of like warm him up potentially to the idea of coming back to college. Because like we talked about last episode, I don't think he even wants to come to college. But, uh, like, you can maybe talk him into it, and if the money's there, then maybe that's the thing. And this opportunity still, could still be there next year if he really doesn't take a job. So, so I don't think you have to that, rush and make a rash decision just because uh, Mike Vrabel's out there. Real quick with that, that is part of – you know, we talked about the blessing or the curse. Um, if, if Mike Vrabel doesn't have an NFL head coaching job by next November and um, – Ohio State were to lose. I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Even if you're undefeated going to that Michigan game, if you're Ryan Day, you're going to be feeling all the pressure simply because yeah. Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job. And and by the way, I don't know. That's a bad thing. Pressure breeds. You know, pressure can bring out the best in somebody. But I would iron just sharpens iron. I just think like the best thing for Ryan Day to feel because here's the thing: it's not even about Mike Vrabel. It's about the horniness of Ohio State boosters 
to to make a, a difference and to show how much beating Michigan matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you have a coach like that out there, Luke Fickle, well, there's a buyout to maintain. Brian Hartline, well, at least you're OC, and he would be on staffs that lost to Michigan. And, and Brayman might keep Hartline, Hartline around, too. That's the other thing. Well, yeah, but just getting back to the idea, Vrabel is and has been for some Ohio State fans, alums, and boosters. He has been this kind of, you know, fantasy grass is greener on the other side. It's it's less pressure for Ryan Day if that guy has an NFL job because then it's not a discussion. Yeah, yeah, and it's not even an idea. Whether he would actually come here is not the point. That doesn't matter. Like it's the it's the magical thinking of boosters well we've got this guy let's just get rid of ryan day it's the idea of having a number one candidate like alabama was like ah we're not sweating uh nick saban retiring we love the goat but we you know we, we'll find somebody and then they were like oh crap we Damn, all our first coming <laughs> our first three guys were not there i guess we're gonna have to find an option yeah. uh a fourth or fifth option there so um uh, it, just curious what you guys think Nick Saban's retirement means for the rest of college football world, including the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, we have uh, obviously more to get into as the weeks go on here. Next week could be about Jim Harbaugh. It could be maybe stealing a few players from Alabama in the transfer portal. So make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, 923thefan.com. And, of course, you can uh, watch us here on the 923thefan.com YouTube page as well. Don't forget to drop a comment, your thoughts on today's podcast, um, and all that stuff. But we will be back next week, guys, with the latest in Ohio State football. Until then, Spencer, I go Bucks.